0: Two, Luke Chapter 2 is where we'll be reading from this morning as we continue our series, The Cast of Christmas, and that's uh, what we've been doing as we have moved, as we're moving toward uh, Chris, the Christmas day and as we're in the midst of the Christmas season, we are looking at the cast of Christmas, people with which we are familiar, maybe even a little too familiar, Because if we're not careful, we will miss some important lessons that this cast of Christmas, the people who were involved in the first Christmas, the lessons that they can teach us. So far, we have tried to understand what God teaches us through the prophets and their role in the coming of Jesus to this earth. And last week, we looked at what the angelic announcement teaches us about the good news of Jesus. And today, I want to share with you a message titled, When Shepherds Met the Lamb. Because today we're going to focus on the shepherds and their role in the Christmas narrative. Now it's, it's really not that surprising that when God would choose to announce the birth of his son that he would use angels to declare that news. That doesn't surprise me or you in the least. That kind of makes sense that God would make a big deal out of that and use the angels to do that. However, what is surprising is that of all the people to receive the news from the angels, those who first heard about the birth of Jesus were shepherds. You see, throughout the early part of Israel's history, shepherding was a noble profession. After all, that is what Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David, that's what they did. They were shepherds. When God (coughs) explained his relationship to us, he referred to himself as the shepherd and you and I as the sheep. However, by the time we get to the first century, by the time we get to Jesus' birth, shepherding had lost its luster. In fact, if you were to look at the social class of people at that time, at the very bottom, you had lepers, and right above them, guess who you had? Okay, it rhymes with hepards and starts with an S, okay? (laughs) So at the very bottom, you got lepers, and right above them, you had shepherds. shepherds. Eh, Not that hard, is it? That they were very low down as far as the class of people that they were considered to be. Because of their occupation, they were <coughs> excuse me considered ceremonially unclean, and that meant then that they could not attend religious services. These shepherds would have their flock in one area, and when those sheep would chew the grass, they would move them to another area, and they were constantly on the move. They were people who lived in isolation. They were people were oftentimes forgotten. In fact, they had such a reputation that according to the law at the time that Jesus was born, if a shepherd went to a court to give testimony, they weren't allowed to testify because their testimony was assumed to be invalid because they were thought to be nothing but liars. Yet, when it was time to send a message from heaven that the promised Messiah had been born, God chose a bunch of shepherds And he entrusted that message to them and he gave them the task of relaying that message to others. Come to think of it, it really shouldn't be that big a surprise when we consider that Jesus came for the marginalized. He came for the poor. He came for the forgotten. He came for the outcast. He came for shepherds. Now, last week we focused on the text we're going to read as it relates to the angels. I know some of you are looking at the text and you're saying the preacher's lost his mind. He's preaching the same thing. No, I'm not. I may have lost my mind, but I'm not preaching the same thing, okay? Last week we looked at this from the perspective of the angels. Today I want us to look at this text from the perspective of the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. As it had been told to them. This morning to help us understand the shepherds. I just want to, to use several words. Just just one word as we move through it, several of one words, to help us understand a little bit more about the shepherds and see how they speak into our lives and the message that they have for us today. And the first word that I want to use is simply the word worked. The word worked, W-O-R-K-E-D, worked. The shepherds worked. Verse 8 tells us that the shepherds were out in a field keeping watch over their flocks by night. They were working a very simple task that they were committed to. They never left their jobs. They took every shift that came their way. They had no choice. It was 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now it may seem like a simple fact or a simple statement to say that the shepherds worked, but don't miss this. God chose to visit a group of people who were faithfully doing the jobs that they were given to do. Whatever God has called you to do, whether it's the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, or whether it's changing the baby's diapers and keeping up with kids all day long, Whatever job God has called you to do, do it faithfully and do it as if you're doing it for the Lord because here's a hint, that's what we're called to do. Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 3 that whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto man, because it's from the Lord that you will receive your inheritance, the reward of your inheritance. And Paul says, Colossians three twenty four, you are serving. Whatever you do, you are serving the Lord Christ. I want you to understand today that no matter what you are doing with your life, nothing that is done for Jesus Christ is insignificant. Keep watching over your flocks by night. The second word that jumps out to me, understand him, is the word wondered. The word wondered. The angels showed up <coughs> and according to verse 9, the shepherds were filled with great fear. Imagine the scene. God's glory which has been held back in heaven for 400 years, breaks through the angels on this silent night. And for the first time in centuries, God's glory has returned to earth. It should be no surprise then to quote the KJV, which is what Linus quoted in Charlie Brown's Christmas story. The angels were sore afraid. They wonder. They were in wonder at what they were seeing. They stood. That means that they stood in awe and wonder. Whenever we come face to face with the holiness and the glory of God, how can we not respond other than to stand in wonder before God? May I ask you this morning: When was the last time that you marveled at the Messiah? When was the last time that you just stood in God's presence and were filled with wonder and awe at who God is and what He has done? The shepherds worked. The shepherds wondered. Here's the third word, welcomed. The shepherds welcomed. Last week, we looked at that angelic announcement. Today, we're seeing their response to that announcement Side note, if you look at verse 10, (coughs) the angel said to them, fear not, for behold. It's interesting to me that the first call of Christianity is not to behave, it's to behold. That is to say that when we behold, we will believe, and when we believe, behavior will follow. Christianity is not about following much of moral rules, it's about beholding. And when you behold, it changes your belief. And, and when, you're, when Jesus changes your belief, it always changes your behavior. And they give them this birth announcement in verse 11. And the shepherds are told what to look for in verse 12. This shall be a sign for you. This sign is interesting. It's a sign that has two parts. One part is that they would find a baby lying in a manger. The other part was that they would find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. Now, <clears throat> it would have been no surprise at all to find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. It would have set up a couple of red flags when they found a baby in a feeding trough. But here, the sign of this baby is that he would be wrapped in swaddling cloths. Those were strips of cloth that were wrapped around newborns to hold their arms and legs so they could sleep. Interestingly, that baby who was wearing these swaddling cloths would one day grow up and become a man, and he would die for my sin. And when they buried him, they wrapped his body in swaddling cloths. They wrapped his body in pieces of cloth. And interesting further still is that according to Revelation chapter 19, when Jesus returns the second time, he is coming again, by the way. When he returns the second time, he's going to be wearing a robe, a a big cloth that is dipped in blood. Let us be humbled by the cradle, but let us quickly move to the cross and let us be sure that we are ready for his return when he's wearing the crown. Well, four of you got that. The rest of you maybe need to find him today. That here is this baby... That's going to go from a cradle to a cross to a crown. And the whole regiment of rejoicing angels fills the sky. And they praise God as they cry out, glory to God in the highest. And notice the shepherd's response in verse 15. (coughs) When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They welcome this message. May I ask you, have you welcomed the message of Jesus? Have you allowed the word of God to work in you? The good news of this gospel is a gift, but this gift must be received if you want it to be activated into your life. Will you be like the shepherds and welcome this message? The fourth word that I think helps us understand them is the word witnessed. The shepherds went to this manger in verse 16 with haste, and they witnessed, they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. What irony is occurring in verse 16? These unclean shepherds go to an unclean stable and put their eyes on the most pure person to ever walk the face of the earth. These shepherds left their sheep and they find themselves in front of the Lamb of God. 1,000 years before this night in Luke chapter 2, David kept watch over his father's sheep in this very same region, And now these shepherds are visiting the son of David in the city of David. They welcomed the message. And with welcoming that message, they then witnessed the manger. And now they would be witnesses about the Lamb of God who occupied this manger and who would one day occupy a throne. That's why it says in verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They made known that don't miss this. We are here today because. Because the shepherds couldn't keep quiet. They made known the saying that was told to them. They didn't hang around the manger because they realized they were now managers of the message. Uh I'm going to repeat that because you may should write that on your heart and my heart as well. They didn't hang around the manger. Because they realized that seeing it, they were now managers of the message of what they found and what they saw in that manger. That message that they shared had nothing to do with the angels. There's no reference to Mary's magnificence. I doubt they noticed Joseph. They came to see the Savior, and once, don't miss this, once they saw the Savior, they took the place of the angels and heralded the good news about him. I want you to know this morning that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus You need to come and see him as the Savior. And if you have a relationship with Jesus, it's time to share the news of that Savior with others. There comes a time after seeing that we must be involved in sharing. It's not enough just to see. We've got to share. And the last word I'll use for us to understand these shepherds Is worshipped. Yes, they worked, and yes, they wandered, and and they welcomed that message, and they witnessed that message, and they witnessed it to others, but they also worshiped. Verse 20 tells us that the shepherds returned. They returned. Guess where the answer is in the shepherd fields that they were watching all their flocks by night. Guess where they returned to. Go right back to the sheep. Yep. They went right back to the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. But this time, they went back to the same place, but they didn't go back to the same people. This time they returned glorifying and praising God. They, they, I, I think, I just kind of, this is me envisioning that, that they had a, a pep in their step, that they had a song in their heart, that they had a, a little jumping here, and that's why we know they weren't Baptist. Uh, they, they, they were doing a little bit, they, they were a little bit excited about the fact that they had found Jesus and that they had witnessed God in the flesh. And they returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. They went back to their same job, but they were not the same people. They returned to work, but now they're worshiping. They didn't just wonder about what they saw. They began to worship him who they saw. And I wonder if I can just go from preaching to meddling for just a second. I wonder if maybe the reason we don't glorify the reason we don't praise God as we ought to is we have forgotten what we have heard and seen. That we've forgotten the miracle of the manger. That God decided one day, when the time was fully right, to send his son, Galatians 5, 4 and 5, born of a woman, born under the law, To redeem those who were the law. For you see, here is my story and here is your story. On our very best day, we still fall short of the glory of God. Outside of Jesus, there is no hope for me. Outside of Jesus, there is no salvation for me. Outside of Jesus, there is no future for me. Without the Lamb of God, I don't have a hope in this world or the world to come. Without Jesus spiritually, I have nothing. But with Jesus spiritually, I have everything. And when I remember what I have seen, when I remember what God has done, Can you go back in your mind to your experience when you were walking through that valley and you thought there was no one to walk with you, but all of a sudden you realized that there was a shepherd who walked with you even through the valley of the shadow of death? Can you go back in your mind and in your experience and remember that time in your life when you had tried everything to fix yourself until you finally came to the end of yourself and gave yourself to Jesus. And even though you're not what you need to be, you're not what you should be, thank God you're not what you used to be. And when you begin to remember what you have seen God do, And what you've heard about Jesus, your response can be nothing else than to return from this place, glorifying and praising God for all that you have seen and heard. This Christmas, would you allow yourself just to adore Emmanuel, God with us? As you glorify and as you praise Him for all that you have seen and done. Friend, today you can return to the same place after Christmas, but you don't have to be the same person. You can be a person transformed by the power of Jesus. If I see the manger, the cradle was just step one. And he went from that cradle to a cross. And that cross placed him in an empty tomb. But his father brought him back up from that grave. Jesus came back from that grave. He came back from death, overcoming the power, the penalty of sin in our lives. And one day he's going to return again. He's not finished. (laughs) There is a crown that he will wear when he returns to this earth. Don't become so infatuated with a baby in a manger that you forget a bleeding Savior on a cross. And don't skip over the bleeding Savior on the cross because if you don't know Jesus as a Savior, you're going to meet him as a judge. And I promise you this from what the Word of God teaches. As a Savior, Jesus has mercy. Today, he has grace for you. He has salvation as a gift placed right before you if you'll simply receive it as you confess and repent of your sins. But if you don't receive that gift of salvation, you will still stand before God. Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I have already done that in my life, and he's my Savior if you wait until he returns with the crown to make that confession, he will not be your savior. His mercy will be no more. His grace will be exhausted. And you will face him as a judge. So if you've got to bow before him anyway, doesn't it make sense To bow before him as a savior and not a judge. If you've never bowed your heart before Jesus as a savior, you can bow your heart right where you are. In just a second, I'm going to pray. And when I pray, if you need to bow before Jesus as a savior in the best way you know how, cry out to him in prayer. Admit your sin to him. Lord, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I agree with what you've said about my sin. My sin, I know, separates me from you. But Jesus, I believe that you died for me in my place. And I no longer want to live for myself. I no longer want to be a slave to my sin. I want to be a servant of my Savior. So, King Jesus... I want to receive your gift of salvation. Scripture promises to all who call upon him, he will never cast away. So if you need to pray that prayer, something like it, as best you know how, when I pray in a few minutes, you pray to God. Maybe you have established that relationship with Jesus, but you've been sitting on the message. Don't let the shepherds outdo you. Don't let the shepherds be the only ones who get to go and declare what they've seen and heard. You don't have to have a degree from a seminary. You don't have to attend a seminary class at all. You just got to testify to what you've seen and heard God do in your life. Why would you said on the best news that the world's ever known? Look, if you'll post about your sandwich you ate for lunch post about the savior who saved you from your sins these shepherds met the lamb will you meet him today father I thank you that Jesus Christ the lamb of God came to take away the sins of the world I pray right now if there's one in this room if there's someone listening to us online today and they have never asked you to be their savior and lord that even now they are praying, they are crying out, they're confessing their sin and declaring their dependence upon you for salvation. And Father, I pray for those of us who've made that decision that we would not be quiet, that we would not be silent, that we would learn from the shepherds and worship, and as we worship, we would declare what we have seen and heard that you've done in our lives and the lives of others. I don't know what you're placing upon our hearts to do today, but I know our response, regardless of what you're calling us to do, our response is to surrender. So would you help me surrender to your will for my life today? And would you help each and every person in this room make that same decision? We love you. We thank you for Jesus. We pray it in his good name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.